Empower the use of open source with software composition analysis from Revenera. Hello, and welcome to our first podcast in a series um, highlighting cybersecurity awareness. My name is Kendra Morton. I am a principal product marketing manager at Revenera, and today I'm going to be talking with Alex Ryback. But before I formally introduce Alex, uh, let me tell you a little bit about what we're going to be talking about today. So President Biden has declared uh, October as Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Um, as many of you may or may not know, back in May, uh, Biden signed an executive order um, on the heels of some pretty, I think, high profile uh, cyber attacks like SolarWinds, uh, Microsoft Exchange, um, as well as the Colonial Pipeline attack. Um, the order includes new security requirements that are in place or being put in place for software vendors who are supplying software to the federal government. It explicitly lays out the idea, however, that um, this is going to take a village, so to speak. And it's going to take really the private sector and the public sector working together. So as, again, some of you probably know, there's a lot to creating and maintaining and enhancing a cybersecurity program. Um, especially uh, like what we're going to talk about today as it pertains to application security. Um, it, it can be daunting, and that brings us to today in this first podcast titled Cybersecurity Awareness, Launch a Successful Security Program. And in this, in this podcast, we want to really start laying, helping you to lay the groundwork um, for putting in place a program that is, yes, certainly successful, but it also kind of puts in place the groundwork and some longevity um, to support your business as your business changes and grows. Um, and we'll also dive into the executive order. We'll talk a little bit about a software bill of materials and what all of that means. All right, so let's get started. Let me introduce Alex Ryback. He is the Director of Product Management at Revenera. And he is also um, on the committee that is responsible for developing and maintaining and maintaining an enterprise security program at Revenera. So, Alex, welcome. Thanks for having me, Kendra. Yeah, no worries, no worries. All right, so let's just get started. So, what what are the first steps um, uh, based on your experience? What are the first steps to really getting a cybersecurity program kind of off the ground and underway? Um, yeah, so I mean, as you mentioned, certainly a daunting thing, but um, the, the most important, I guess, step to getting it off the ground is just having a methodology in mind. So uh, the first point I would make is chances are you probably already have one. You just may not know of it, right? Typically, when most companies are formed, if you happen to have a chief security officer, if you have a CTO, chief technology officer, they already have set up policies for many different elements of a cybersecurity program. Uh, I guess where I would probably start is making sure that you set a strategy and direction from the top. And again, this goes back to your CISO, goes to your CTO. Uh, it, it's not something you want to do bottom up. You want to have a mandate, whether it's your investors or your CEO or whoever's, you know, kind of forcing you to really pay attention to this. You want to make sure it's a corporate initiative. And again, in, in most cases, you already have one. Most people may not be aware of the details, but there's likely a foundational program in place. And a cybersecurity program, it really talks about mostly processes, right? Having policies in place for various elements of it and having processes in place on number one, how to get ahead of problems and what to do in case problems arise. So uh, cybersecurity is a fairly huge topic. So I wanna spend a second here and kind of define the scope of where we're going to spend our time. So 
there's really two, to me, two big elements of cybersecurity. So the first one is the physical and network security, right? So these are things where, you know, you control access to your, to your building, who gets to go into the server room, uh, who, you know, who has access to log into laptops, multi-factor authentication, all of those things. That's out of scope of what we're really focusing on here. All right, there's going to be lots of policies around kind of keeping the bad guys out. And in this, uh, in this set of uh, podcasts, we're really focused on application security, right? What can you do with your team to ensure that your products are as secure as possible and that you're not compromising your customers' data, right? So, so that's, that's where we want to spend our time. Uh, definitely want to define objectives and boundaries of the program. Uh, you don't want to boil the ocean. There's many, many different aspects of cybersecurity. You really need to focus on what you want to achieve. So create a top 10 list, work on the top three items. When you're done with number one, number two becomes number one, add an 11 to the list. Don't try to address 30 things at once because you're just not going to be able to do that. Um, so when I look at an overall process, right, it, it's, you know, a very basic one would be something like, Definition and planning, right? So understand your risks, uh, understand the use models of your applications, understand how customers use your products, how they're deployed. Is it a cloud deployment? Is it an on-premise deployment? Depending on those different aspects, you're going to want to focus on different elements of security. Uh, make sure that you have both proactive processes in mind. So scanning ahead of time, and we'll get into those, um, as well as, well, what do you do at the end of a release cycle to make sure nothing slipped through in between scans? Uh, focus on things like responses, right? What happens if there is an issue? How do you analyze the issue? How do you escalate it appropriately? Uh, what is your response going to be like? You know, what's your containment strategy? What is your mitigation strategy? What's your patching strategy? All of these things really need to be looked at to have a complete view of cybersecurity. Uh, the final point I'll make is Number one, as you mentioned, it definitely takes a village, right? There, there can't be one person responsible for security. Everybody at the company shares responsibility. And you really have to look at uh, the completeness for software security. So what that means is you've got to be doing your static code analysis scans, right? Are your developers injecting vulnerable implementations of functions, right? Are they writing code that exposes your product to runtime hacks? Uh, you got to do your pen tests, right? Uh, whatever was coded in the product, when it's deployed, are there attack vectors that weren't foreseen when you're writing code and is your product exploitable? And then the third part, and this is you know where we spend our time is software composition analysis is, do you have dependencies that your, uh, your team did not write, right? Code that you didn't write and you pulled in, are they putting you at additional risk? Do you have vulnerable components coming in? that you may or may not be tracking. And if you're not tracking them, you can't mitigate the, the vulnerabilities that can come from those. So making sure you're doing SAS, you're doing DAST, and you're doing SCA, and it's being done continuously, not ad hoc by a person who has to remember to push a button. Okay, just a couple of questions to follow up on that. So you mentioned quite a lot there. Is it is it a one and, one and done or all of that or nothing, or is there at least a place to start for, for organizations? Yeah, so, so definitely different uh, kind of opinions on how to get going. I personally would always recommend people start with automation, right? Try to integrate into your development process. Uh, do not have a human responsible for remembering to push a button, right? That's where things fail. Uh, make sure that every team is in some way engaged. So certainly training, critical element, right? Make sure people understand why they have to do this because they're going to be held accountable for doing work that they may not be familiar with. So important to set your teams up for success. 
certainly you want to make this a natural act, right? Don't make it yet another compliance thing someone has to do. So integrate as much as possible into the build, into your CICD process, into your bug tracking system, so that this becomes just another stream of quality data that goes back to the development team and back to their backlogs. So, uh, you know, make it as frictionless as possible for the engineering team. Okay, very good. So we and we I mentioned the executive order at the you know kind of introducing the podcast, and um, there's been a lot of kind of regulatory changes or additions that that have happened over the last year or two um, and beyond. Um, so how do all of the regulations and specifically this executive order by the federal government? How does all that fit into what you just talked about? You know, should companies factor them in when considering or changing their approach to um, how they manage security at their company? Yeah, good, good question. So, you know, like everything else, there's kind of a maturity curve to this, right? This is just yet another compliance task that, you know, one of very many that uh, companies need to follow. And there's been discussions about license compliance, security compliance for years. There's been regulations that have popped up in various regulated industries, so things like automotive, things like financial industry. Um, the recent executive order is really designed for anybody having um, business with the U.S. government and or military, right? And the idea is for us to have higher levels of cybersecurity controls uh, we need to understand what's inside the software that's being deployed. So the, the executive order, although it's narrow in its uh, coverage, right, just meant for a kind of U.S. government and anybody doing business with them, it certainly sent ripples through worldwide. There's lots of uh, various regulations popping up in the EU. There's lots of uh, groups that kind of led the initiative with the regulations now refactoring uh, the criteria and making sure that there's alignment with the executive order. But at the end of the day, they really all talk about the same four things. So the first one is building and maintaining a complete and accurate software bill of materials. And think of the software bill of materials as kind of your soup can label, right? You buy soup, you look at the can, you kind of see the ingredients that went into the soup. Same thing with software, right? Unless somebody does the job of cataloging what are all of the different elements in your application and which organizations are responsible for maintaining those elements, you can't react to an event. Right. So if you know what's in there, if you know what broke, you know what part is at risk, you know whom to go to to fix the issue. So that, that's really the push. So that's number one. Number two is once you have this list of ingredients, make sure that you're able to report known vulnerabilities for each item. So very similar, again, kind of going back to the food analogy, if there is an ingredient you're allergic to, you need to know that ingredient is in the soup. Same thing with software. If you have a part that is vulnerable, you need to know what the part is and how you work around it to make sure that doesn't taint your application. Um, security is something that's very dynamic, right? Something could be great today, tomorrow a new vulnerability is discovered. So the third element is make sure that you keep this up to date. And you asked earlier this, yes, absolutely must be continuous. This cannot be done once a year. It just needs to be part of the team's culture to do this on an ongoing basis. And then the fourth element is make sure that you have a strategy for fixing and patching and delivering patches either to your server or to your customers if it happens to be an on-premise application. So uh, I, getting back to kind of the question is, yes, this absolutely matters. Uh, the bill of material is the critical element in all of this because if you don't know what's in your product, you can't take steps to control your risk. So putting together a complete and accurate bill of material is the most important task in the process. And it, you know, some parts of it can be difficult. Some parts of it are fairly straightforward, but the most important part is accuracy and completeness and keeping it up to date. 
because this cannot be static. It has to be something that's maintained continuously going forward. You and I have had discussions that there are industries that have been doing this right for like hardware or when you talk about the airline industry, uh, they've been you know, managing their supply chain, they're, they're pretty good at that. So it seems like this is an effort to kind of get the software industry maybe on at least maybe equal par with what's happening in the hardware industry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you go back to any sort of hardware um, industry, right, if you look at planes or cars, every single part, every single nut and bolt, every single wire is accounted for. Um, every subassembly that is developed outside of the car manufacturer, the airplane manufacturer is accounted for. If there's an accident, if there's any sort of recall, you know exactly how to go back through the supply chain to go to the original manufacturer. Uh, software is becoming just as important, right? Software has caused breaches, has caused ransomware attacks where it has the likelihood of impacting people's well-being, right? It can stall a car, it can crash a plane, it can bring down uh, a regulated industry. So it's becoming just as important as hardware, right? It's not tangible, you can't touch the software, but it plays just as much of a role in the product, not harming people, not causing issues to infrastructure. So it needs to be managed just like you would manage hardware in, in an actual product, right? So yes, uh, very similar analogies and very similar process needs to be followed. Yeah, very good, okay. Um, so you mentioned software build materials, talked a little, little bit about that. What what are the challenges that companies may face in trying to build a complete and an accurate software bill of materials? And is there a right or a wrong way? Uh, so the wrong way is to not do it. So therefore, to me, there there is no wrong way to go about it. There's you know more and less efficient ways to do it. But as long as you're doing something, even if it's you know as simple as interviewing developers and keeping a spreadsheet, that's better than doing nothing. Uh, there's certainly a ton of tools out there. So if all that you're doing is manually filling out a spreadsheet, there's certainly efficiency gains to be had by using software to do this. There's lots of uh, applications out there. Uh, the, when I look at kind of the difficulty, there's really three things. Number one, the volume, right? The volume of open source continues to increase. Uh, you know, we see over 90% of an application in cases being comprised of open source. We're seeing on average a couple thousand bill of material items in a modern application. So this is beyond the volume where a human can manually keep this up to date. So some sort of scanning tool or tools is really important to have in the process. Uh, accuracy and completeness, right? That's the other challenge is, well, how do you get this accurate, right? You, uh, missing parts uh, drops your overall accuracy, right? So completeness becomes really important. Uh, you need to, number one, um, get the packages down, right? So kind of the monolithic parts in an application, but it goes beyond that. Do you rely on CDNs, on content delivery networks, right? Do you have dynamic references to code that is not part of your application? Do you rely on external APIs that may not be documented, right? What if a system goes down, right? A couple of weeks ago, we saw Facebook go down. We kind of saw the ripple effect of that. Well, what if it happens to be a third-party piece of code that your application relies on and that goes down? Do you Will you know that? Does that put your security at risk? So understanding all of your data points, all your dependencies, all of the pieces of code that are part of your application that you did not write yourself is critically important. And then data currency is the third challenge, right? This, as I said, this is not static. Things that are acceptable today may have a, a vulnerability that's discovered tomorrow. So having a continuous process, having this be done by the team, having ownership across the entire company and everybody accountable for application security is really important. 
And it's really the, the way to get to this just being part of the culture of, of the development team. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here, obviously. We're not going to be able to get to all of it right in this this first podcast, which is you know why we've got a series coming. But it, is there, real quick, and I know we, that kind of goes back to the first question. So let's just jump back to that real quick. What What is the first step companies should take right now? So I think first step is strategy, right? Why, why are you doing this? Are you doing this because your investors asked you to? Are you doing this because a customer has identified an issue and you didn't have the process to find it yourself? Are you doing it because you're kind of at the next round of evolution and you want to make your program more complete? So you really need to understand what's the driving force behind it. Uh, so I think strategy, number one. Uh, number two, I think you need to have a cross-functional team or committee or a tiger team involved because you're going to need the engineering team to do work on the product differently than they're doing today. You're going to need the product management team to prioritize work that may not show up as a customer feature and may actually impact your roadmap. You're going to need, you know, all the other stakeholders around QA and your release teams to be involved. So a cross-functional representation in some sort of cybersecurity committee or, or tiger team is really important because everybody's got a role to play. And then really making sure that people understand why you're doing this, right? Why you're being asked to do it and how their contribution is invaluable. Because like you said, it, it does take a village. This cannot be done by a single person in an organization. I think we're going to be hearing a lot more about cybersecurity. Obviously, we're going to be hearing a lot more about probably um, new industry regulations and, you know, how we secure our software supply chain. So great discussion, Alex. Thank yeah, you. So absolutely. Much. Thank you. Yeah. Good. So, so for those of you who are tuning in, this is like I said at the beginning, there, this is the first in a three part series. Um, that we're going to be talking about cybersecurity awareness. Um, Alex and I have another podcast coming up in the very, very near future, cybersecurity awareness, taking care of your applications with software composition analysis. We'll talk about the benefits of implementing an SCA solution and how to operationalize it for maximum benefits. Look for that coming very soon. Um, and if you want to know more about the executive order, software build materials, or SCA, please check out our website. You can go to www.revenera.com forward slash software composition analysis. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Alex. And we look forward to talking with you again soon. Empower the use of open source with software composition analysis from Revenera.